Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. My name is Matthew Westfox. I'm one of your hosts. Joining me on the line, as always, is Paul Hoppy. Paul, go ahead and say hello. Hi. See what I did there? See? <laughs> I did. I did. You did not actually say hello. Well played. Exactly. You um, can't put words in my mouth. <laughs> I can't. Um, this week, we're going to um, be talking a little bit more about Luke Cage, finishing up that conversation that we started in the two-part uh, podcast episode that was on last week and earlier this week. Uh, but first, Paul, I know you've been a po- uh, you've been at Comic Con for the last couple of days doing some li- doing some lighting. Um, you want to tell us a little about what that was like? Um, yeah, exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, the the loadouts today, uh, the the Harley Quinns outnumbered the Supergirls. Okay. And I I didn't actually get to see any of the panels. I watched some ridiculous show where they played video games and shaved their heads and ate spam on stage so that was that was great um and by great i mean it was it was not great uh-huh. but whatever um yeah it, it it actually made me think i was gonna write an article but I, that's not really a thing i do these days uh so but called uh nerd please uh-huh. which was actually about my dislike of um that particular n-word and the idea of reclaiming words and um, how that kind of works, but it kind of doesn't work. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it, it, I don't think a word can ever really be fully reclaimed. Like, you can't stomp out old definitions. But, uh, yeah, and someone was like, oh, there's a lot of nerds in the building. I'm like, <laughs> okay. And I'm like, well, I find that offensive. It's like, oh, don't worry, you're not a nerd. And then somehow, like, five minutes later, I'm talking about Blade, and I'm like, well, they should make a TV series, you know, Netflix series of Blade with Wesley Snipes, but he shouldn't be the main character. His daughter should be the main character, where she's, like, the next Blade. And he's like, oh, my bad. You are a nerd. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I've often heard that, like, nerd is the bad word, geek is the good word. Um, you know, personally, I'm all about reclaiming terms, um, but, you sure. know, I, I, I hear where you're coming from there. Um, but it sounds like at least it was a... For work, it, you at least got to, to see some kind of cool things. What was anyone cosplaying yeah. a, a Luke Cage type character? Um, funny you should ask, and I almost <laughs> forgot to mention, I was. Really? Well, how, I mean, I was at work in my hoodie, and I've got holes in my hoodie, so... Okay, okay, <laughs> I, I can sort of see that. Yeah, but uh, I can't say that <laughs> that was the full extent of the costume for anyone who's worried about any of the particulars. Um but I was very aware of the holes in my hoodie. Um, uh-huh. And I think that should be a thing. I think there should be – somebody should sell hoodies with holes in them oh, and oh. donate all the – wait, what? Oh, no, okay. Finish your sentence. Oh, and donate all the money to like certain causes. I mean I think, I think the last part of what you're suggesting is awesome. Um, the internet being the internet, um, I've already seen three different ads for you places where you can buy a Luke Cage bullet hold. Um, right. Uh, hoodie um whether that money is being donated to like <laughs> yeah. anti-police violence or like you know other kind of awesome causes i don't know i mean it, it right. may well be because it it's an awesome thing um yeah. and let's use that to this is going to be a, a shorter podcast but um we do want to talk some about luke cage now that we've both seen all of it um and for the first few minutes we're going to try to keep this pretty spoiler free for people who um are interested in the show um uh, but haven't necessarily seen all of it yet. Uh, but we will be kind of jumping into a spoilers-heavy section uh, in a few minutes. But let's start just kind of spoiler-free. Um, Paul, what did you think of the the rest of the show? And um, especially that 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 the, uh, the 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 hoodie with bullet holes is obviously a pretty important symbol in the show. Kind of what what, yeah. was, what was your thoughts about that? 
Well, I mean, just, I mean, the show in general first. Yeah, let's go um, more general first. Yeah, that's like this loaded compound question. <laughs> it's like a very straightforward part. And then there's like, well, you know, um, so just the show in general, it's it's funny. Right after we did our last podcast, our last recording, which uh, we both watched episode one. And um, I I wouldn't call my review of episode one lukewarm, but um, <laughs> Boo. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week uh, or for the next half hour. Uh-huh. But. It, it was uh, tip your waitress. Yeah, the you know it was not like unabashedly raving, right? Right. Which by the time I watched episodes two through seven, uh-huh. I was like regretting having said <laughs> anything negative about the show um, because I I think uh, episodes one through seven really, including one, yeah, there's a little expository stuff early on and it. it felt like there was a little bit of kind of awkwardness getting really into it. Um, but that's so common in, for like basically almost every TV show. And um, it, I mean, I just think the first half of the season was just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, and it made me go like, is this better than Daredevil season one? You know, like it, have they actually managed to do that? Uh-huh. And then, uh, the you know, the second half of Luke Cage season one, I felt was just very good. You know, there were there were elements of it that were outstanding, uh, and then there were all other elements that didn't it didn't clear the very high bar that they'd established in the first half of the season. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a I, I had a very much the same reaction. I think once we get into spoilers, we can talk about why that was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wound up feeling, in, in a lot of ways, like when I think about Jessica Jones as compared to Daredevil. You know, I think Jessica yeah. Jones had some weaker points, and I think, it, in some ways, I think da- the first season of Daredevil was just kind of the perfectly made, not perfect, but like the best show of that, to, you know, yeah. scene type that I've seen. The first half of Luke Cage absolutely blew me away. I thought there were some weak parts in the second half. I also thought it, it felt like, and I. I don't like using the word like important as though it, it, it feels like judging a work like a work of art. I mean, this is a kind of art, right. you know, judging it on its artistic merits and then also talking about its social relevance and importance. I feel weird separating those two. Um, and I don't I don't. Can I can well, I just interject something? Uh huh. Hey, or so the word importance, like I, I know you you're you said it and then you're like, well, I don't really want to say it that way. And I, I think if we just always say like social importance, uh-huh. I think that lets us kind of get away from the like, well, if art is socially important, then it's more important than if it's just entertainment, you know, or it's I, I was seeing something recently about how, well, you know, all novels are political or all literature is. And, and I just I hate that idea. I think I mean. Sure. You, if you want to say everything, literally everything that everybody ever does is political in some extent or all the choices we make, fine. Right. right. But in terms of art and um, basically anything creative, I, I don't think that the artist has a responsibility to always be political. You well, know, and I I think an artist can be political by accident as well. well and I, you could say, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I think I think there's a this is a real rabbit hole we could do a whole show on. Um, but I, but I will just say I, I I think that that last thing you just said that that the point isn't that every work should be political, right? But it's more that idea, you know, the the 
there's a great line that I, I I'm not going to say exactly right, but it's the idea that you know by by doing nothing you're supporting the status quo. You know, and like if if you just write, um, if you just write uh, a happy-go-lucky story about a couple of cops, you know, right. that might be a great story. But it, you know, cops are part, police are part of a larger political narrative in our world, and you are doing you by you know that that is, that story is going to be part of that larger political narrative. Now, what, what, how important that is doesn't have to be a big deal, and it may well be that it's just, you know like like it, I'm not saying that that means like never write a toss a toss a you know a, a kind of small entertaining story about something that is connected in any kind of a way to a larger political issue you know entertainment is still a good thing too but but i and, and again here let's avoid the rabbit hole but i just want to like I, I do think that that's the you know everything is going to have political significance whether it's intended or not i think it's more the idea of but i would certainly agree with you that i don't expect every piece of entertainment has to have political significance um, but but the point that I was kind of making with that is I think in some ways to me, like, I, I think Daredevil was sort of better executed in some ways than either Luke Cage or Jessica Jones. But I also think both Jessica Jones and Luke Cage were doing things that I haven't seen anything else do um, around issues that I haven't really seen anyone else cover in the same way. And I feel like Dare, Daredevil is covering issues that I've seen other people cover before. Daredevil is covering them better. Um, and, and and to me, I'm not saying that this is a reason to say that I think Luke Cage is better than Daredevil or Daredevil is better than Luke Cage. It's almost like that that, that I'm evaluating them a little bit differently because I like I do think that Daredevil is in terms of like writing and direction and some of those things like better. But I but I also yeah. think that, that the the importance and I, again I, I hear what you're saying and I think maybe just the social importance the the message of Luke Cage is so vital to me at this point in time, you know that I'm not like if someone is asking me, you know, should I watch Luke Cage? My response isn't going to be, well, the first half of the season is great, the second half get. My response is going to be, yeah, you absolutely should be watching this. This is an amazing right. show. Right. Some of the technical aspects are not perfectly done, but it's still like the, the social importance is is an important part of that for me. Right. So, so I actually don't think this is a rabbit hole. I think there's an extent to which this is the entire discussion, uh-huh. um, or it could be. Yeah. Um, where I I totally agree with most of that, right? Uh-huh. Um, and certainly with the conclusion. But to me, Daredevil was trying to do a very particular thing, which was be a great superhero TV show set in a more real-ish sort of setting, right? Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, I think we're both also trying to do that, but they were also trying to do another thing. Right. Right. Each of them a, a separate thing from each other. Um, and so I think by trying to do those additional, by being very overtly, deliberately um, political and, and dealing with, with social issues that are super heavy, Right, that are like as heavy as it gets. I think you know they raise the degree of difficulty on themselves, mm-hmm. and you know some people are like, well, they transcend you know comic book stuff or whatever. Which I mean, I, I don't think is wrong, really. I, I think that's true. Uh, and you know, I mean, Daredevil deals with like 
gentr- gentrification and, you know, how, right. I mean, that's basically what the, the story is about, right? It's basically about, you know, the gentrification of Hell's Kitchen, which is funny because that happened 20 years ago yeah. already. <laughs> I mean, but, I mean, you and I are both people who grew up in New York City, and I think that yeah. this is sort of a, a side note, but we, we've both talked about that all three of these shows are fantastic, and they're about a New York City that hasn't really existed for almost 20 years. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but but so I guess my point is that I I think that in terms of the just the the the, the narrative, the structure of the season um, and how everything goes together, I, I do think Daredevil did a better job of achieving that specific goal, which is basically the entirety of what it was trying to do. You know, right. I mean, yeah, there were some they were talking about, you know, killing and, and things and and various other issues. But, you know, when you get down to it, it was a sort of a, a less self-conscious and self um, – it, it, it was less trying to do some of this other stuff, which I think is fine. You know, and right. as, as someone who writes and, and writes fiction, I, I think it's important that a writer feels okay being able to do that. And I think if people feel like they can never do that, I think fiction greatly suffers. But at the same time – I also think it's great and it's great in another way. You know, you get an additional layer of of uh, greatness out of a show like Luke Cage and Jessica Jones when they can say, "Okay, you know what, we're going to tackle these issues head on and we're going to crush it, you know, and which they did. And just the narrative structure and maybe they should have been 10 episodes. Maybe they should have not introduced this character or changed this or that in the season. Um, and maybe then the the narrative part would have would have been a little tighter and tauter, but you know they they did handle these other things in a way that I just think is outstanding. Yeah, I I would agree with that, and I would say not not to sort of disagree with myself, but I but I, I <laughs> th- there's two things I want to say. One is that I I do want to really keep in mind that I thought you know the the issues that Daredevil raised. Like, like I said, it's not that I don't think Daredevil raised important issues because I think. Like you said, it tackles gentrification, it tackles a lot of neighborhood change, but it also really tackles issues of vigilantism and violence yeah. and vengeance and, and a lot of theology. I mean, for me as a, mm-hmm. as a, a, a person with a religious background, I, the, the whole idea of the priest and all of his, like, his discussions about like, recognizing that he, there's a part of him that wants to do harm and, like, you know, and, and what does right. that mean? Like, those are important issues. Yeah, um, I agree. But, but, but I, I think the, the thing with, with Luke Cage and with Jessica Jones, and I think let, let me say this and then um, feel free to respond, but after that let's go into our spoilers section because um, I think it would be easier to talk about even this issue yeah, with spoilers, um, is I, – I, and here's kind of related to that first thing we were talking about. I think in some ways for a show like Luke Cage, it, uh, here's the issue. The, Daredevil, a show about a white man, you can, you, you can make it without seeming political. Like, yes. like, like that additional – I don't necessarily think it's that the, the writers of Luke Cage and, and Jessica Jones specifically talk about Luke Cage. I don't think it's that they decided, you know what, let's not just tell a story about a black superhero, but let's also try and tell these political points as well. They recognize that by telling a story about a black superhero in a modern-day world where black men with power are viewed in very scary ways through racist lenses – that is by de- like that. That is already by definite. That, that that's sort of what I was saying before. That like telling a story about a black superhero is going to be a political act. Right in and of itself. 
Yeah, because yeah. I mean, greenlighting the show was a political act by Netflix and Marvel. You could say. Yeah, exactly. And, and if they right. had, if they had done, if they had told a story about a black superhero who was on perfect relationships with the cops, and no one ever was like nervous about the fact that he, who utterly ignored his blackness, that right. would have been a political statement as well. You know, and that, that that's kind of the point that I, and, and I'm not, you know, and I a political statement I might have disagreed with. I'm not saying that that. You know, well, no one should make that story. But I'm saying that, that that to me, that's the idea of like, like I'm agreeing with 90% of you. The, yeah. the one thing I'm saying is that I, I wouldn't say that these folks um, set a higher bar for themselves because they decided to add a political element to the show. It's that by telling a story about a black superhero, they are making it harder because there's a whole other layer that comes into that. And uh, I, I almost feel a little weird critiquing it because I, I do think there were parts of it that were technically not as good but at the same time I also feel like I, I feel like one of the reasons why people don't make these shows often is because they feel like you know what it's going to be a lot harder it's going to be a lot more political people yeah. are going to ask us if it's political or not so why don't we just not make the story about the black guy let's just not make the story about the, you know and I I really want to applaud Luke Cage for, for, for taking that on yeah absolutely um, I definitely agree with that last bit I think that um i mean i'm i'm very glad that the show got made i think you know in terms of the narrative and and um sort of quality of everything outside of whatever overtly political statements they might have um been going for i'd i'd give it like an eight or a nine out of ten i mean i i think it was very very good um and and in the, the first several episodes i just straight up tens um, and throughout though, the, you know, the whole sort of political thread, I would, I would just give a 10 out of 10. I mean, yeah. I, I have no criticisms about that outside of like maybe the last episode or few, there were a few too many speeches, yeah. from it, but that, and, but that's kind of also that kind of pulls back to just the basic narrative, whatever, like the, I mean, it wasn't like arrow with the speeches, you know, right. or, or dirty dancing at the end, you know, nobody <laughs> Anyway, but, you know, it just when people give speeches and things, it's usually yeah. not great. And we can get into the in the spoiler section about I mean, there was a section where a couple of people give speeches and I was like, all right, well, that worked, you know, yeah. <laughs> like I, and I, that was really hard to pull off. Um, but what, I, I do think that there's basically two ways you could go if you're so they're not doing a story about a powerful black man in the real world. They're right. doing a story about a powerful black man in the Marvel cinematic universe. And so they really did have a choice, right? They could have basically been like, well, in the Marvel cinematic universe, they don't have the same problems we have. Right. You know, things aren't the same. Well, but I think, um, and let, let me actually just pause for a second. Let's, let's go back to that. But let me just say, let's now enter our spoilers discussion. Um, we'll continue the same topic, but let's just now say we're going to start bringing in spoilers because there's just a lot. You really want to get them spoilers. <laughs> I just I feel like it's going to be a lot easier to talk about this. Um, so anybody who is who hasn't seen all of Luke Cage, I think we're both saying definitely see it. It's a fantastic show. Um, if you really want to be spoiled, uh, go ahead and keep listening. But I'd strongly advise watch the rest of the show, come back and listen to the rest of this podcast. Because uh, at this point, we're going to sort of take the gloves off uh, and and you know continue our discussion, but but not be afraid of spoiling. So. Uh, spoilers on in three, two, one, bing. Um, but yeah, so to, to what you're saying there, um, 
I, 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 I definitely agree with you, but I think that that, to some extent, at least in the Marvel world, that that die has already been cast a long time ago. You know, and I has it. Well, I mean, as far back as well, in that, it's not that in the Marvel world things are exactly as they are in our world. Right. But at least in the comic books, at least I mean, it feels like you know, at least as far back as X Men which the writers have very clearly acknowledged was very much supposed to be a reflection of, you know, Professor X and Magneto were a reflection of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Right. And, and so I think that, not that their world has to be the same as ours, but that their world is very intentionally a commentary on ours. You know, and I think Captain America sure. in both Winter Soldier and Civil War, you know, those, those, those are issues that are, you can't see in a vacuum. Like, they are clearly commentary on you know the, the surveillance issues and violence issues and and you know finding the enemy kind of issues that are happening in our real world um and and i think that that with luke cage i i feel like if they had tried to tell a story that yeah had been in a magical world where you know the police are pretty good uh about you know having no issues about uh, that, that racism isn't an issue of policing in the marvel world to me, that would have felt like such a betrayal of what Marvel has been setting up. Of, because to me, what I love about Marvel is what they're saying is, let's use these topics of superheroes to to mirror stuff that's happening in your real world. You know. Um, yeah, I, I completely disagree. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, and I didn't hear any spoilers there either. Uh, no, but... no, we haven't spoiled yet. We'll we'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it just. I feel like they, first of all, you know, and you did make this distinction, but like the X Men aren't in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? right? The um, none of the the Spider Man gives me hope that, that not yet, but yes, that's yeah, yeah. I mean, the the issues that we're talking about weren't talked about yet in the Marvel Universe, and you can say, well, that's a political statement, and okay, you know, um, I just think. That if they had just gone ahead and been like, yeah, we're just going to make a story about a dude who, you know, if they'd made the story about Sam Wilson, right? Mm -hmm. If Falcon had been the main character, actually, honestly, I don't, I don't know that much about um, Falcon or Bucky or really Captain America outside of um, the movies, except that I really didn't like this ending to civil war in the comics. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? Um, but you know, I don't, I think some characters like, like, um, like Sam Wilson or, uh, or Rhodey, right? Uh I mean, they're both military guys, you know, and they, they don't have this history where they were, you know, falsely imprisoned and they were in jail for however long. And, you know, so, so they, that's, that's not, I mean, as far as I know, right. Right. Uh, That's not a part of their stories in the way it's a part of Luke Cage's story. So I think, um, you know, you might be right in terms of once they chose to do Luke Cage, right. Right. Not once they decided to do, okay, we're going to do a black superhero. Like when DC does cyborg, Right. Mm-hmm. Who's never never been my my favorite character um, in in DC and and the, honestly the little bit that was in Batman vs Superman just <laughs> just so bad. does not like have me going like oh I can't wait for that cyborg movie <clears throat> right you know um, but if they do cyborg it's like I don't think 
they're going to really play up the race angle that much. And if they do, it's going to be I, – well, I just don't have a lot of confidence in them to do a good job of it, right? Well, but right. My, my, my point, though, for even though assuming that they did a great job of it, race wouldn't play as big of a role in that movie as it really should and did in Luke Cage, the series, because they're very different heroes with different backgrounds and – you know, well, and I think obviously, yeah. I think this gets to what we were talking about on the the first part of the Luke Cage uh, podcast uh, last week, which is that you know this is where the fact of like the, the problem of there being so few comes up. You know, because to right. me, I, I feel like you know the first couple of of uh, you know women superhero shows have really taken on the idea of like what does it mean for it to be a woman as a superhero? You know, in terms of like. Uh, uh, Agent, it was Agent Carter or Supergirl or Jessica Jones, yeah. and, and I don't think every every show about a woman superhero has to do that. But the first couple probably needed to address that in some ways, and like like we hopefully we'll get to a point where it's not seen as odd or not the normal to have just as many women superhero shows on TV as men, and so it doesn't have to be commented on. But it does right. at this point, and in some way, I kind of feel the same. Like in some ways. It, Luke Cage, the character, I think this issue needed to be a big part of. But I also think the fact that this is one of the first, you know, black superheroes to get a starring role um, in such an important way becomes really important, you know. And, and I, I like that it is happening at the same time that Deadshot, a character mm. for whom the racial background is pretty much irrelevant, was almost entirely always seen as a white character and was now played as a black actor. Like, I actually think there's something great about those two things coexisting. Because what it's showing is, like, on the one hand, having the story of a black superhero is really important. But that every black... That that, that doesn't mean that you can only cast a black actor to play a superhero who is black as a fundamental part of his identity. You know, like, I think that that both and is a really good direction for us to be going. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that, you know, and that that was sort of the point I was trying to make before was that um, I think there are basically two ways you can go with it. You know, you can have a superhero whose blackness, whose, whose race is this fundamental part of their character and that kind of permeates throughout everything they're in, right? right. That's, that's something that... that um, you know, isn't just uh, this kind of subtext. It's it's something that is dealt with in explicit terms throughout the story. And you can also have a character who just happens to be black, right? Like like in The Flash, they took the West family and they just made them all black, you know? Right. And like maybe they talk about it a few times here and there, but for the most part, it's just like, yeah, you know, this is a white kid who was adopted by a black family, like whatever, like move along, you know? Right. And um, and I think DC's actually done a really good job of that in terms of, I mean, they've taken a ton of previously, you know, portrayed as as white characters, characters who's you know who for whom race didn't really, um, it was never played up as an issue, and then they've just made them black, and they haven't like made that a thing. Right. Um, and I don't think that's better. In in fact, I think having characters where we actually, you know, deal with what that really means and how that would play out in a world very much like ours um, is 
I, I think there's an additional good thing that can come out of that. Um, but I also think that there is something good in having characters that just everyone can see and kind of like, here's the thing, right? We were talking about how having a show about a black superhero could affect people. Right. right. And having, and, and I think for everybody, it's actually great to have both because I think some people are going to be able to see a show that really tackles the issues head on and, um, you know, understand the issues on another level or be able to kind of emotionally process them in a way that they didn't before because it's kind of through the lens of fiction. And, and so, um, you know, it's, it's almost like having it a little bit removed. Right. And, um, and I think there's something great about that. But then I also think, you know, a lot of the times people watch fiction not to deal with real life issues, right? Sometimes people watch fiction just for, just for entertainment and I don't mean that in a belittling way. I mean, I think entertainment is really important. Right. Like, an entertainment that can kind of take your mind off of the really heavy problems of the world, you I, know? I, I and, mean, did you interject for a second? I thought yeah. one of the things that I loved about Luke Cage is that's hilarious. I mean, it's a oh, very yeah. funny so show. Important. Like, yeah. yeah, and it, like, I, I finish your sentence, but I'll, and then I'll go back to more of that. Right. So, um, the, the, the thing, though, is that the, the other types of shows that are, like, not dealing with these issues, right, which I think is fine and good that there are shows that aren't always dealing with really serious issues, like, those shouldn't, like, only have white characters. Right. Because, like, once you have a black character, you have to deal with all these issues. You know, I think we should be able to see all different, you know, people who who look like, you know, all different sorts of people in shows that are basically like, well, here's just some superheroes knocking the crap out of each other, right? right. Or here's here's uh, a police drama, but it's like maybe it's not going to really deal with serious police issues. But like, because I, I just think being able to see um, people of different races, of different backgrounds, um, sometimes characters with different religions, be able to be in positions of power or positions not of power or, you know, as as cops as superheroes as all these things just i, I think it i think no, it's good i don't I, know there's I, a, more I, for him I, I totally agree with you although what i what i would would add is I, I think there's kind of a middle ground because i think and this is why i brought up the luke cage humor part because i think right. sometimes it feels like there are tv shows or movies that feel like this the point of this is to make our point you know and, and yes and the reason I think Luke Cage is so powerful is, like, if someone says to me, why does black lives matter? I'm not going to tell them to go watch Luke Cage necessarily. I'm going to tell them, like, here's a, there are political essays, there are documentaries, there are pieces of media of various sorts that just focus on why do black lives matter. Right. Luke Cage isn't that. Luke Cage, I think, is, first and foremost, an incredibly entertaining, dramatic, hilarious like interesting story that totally. also happens to convey a very powerful message, you know? And yeah. I think, and I think that's a way of getting those messages into the minds of people who aren't actively looking for those messages. Right. And like, and like Captain America, um, let's not even get into civil war, but Captain America, um, winter soldier. Mm-hmm. That's, I would say far more on the entertainment value, you know, like I think, yes. yeah. but it does have some interesting messages. 
Like, yeah, I, think yeah. that, I think that there's something great there. And I, I, I do think, and here's kind of a, a corollary to this, but it's one I'm curious about. Part of what I'm noticing is that so far, the only places where I'm really seeing the shows that are really like, I mean, you know, race and gender being kind of two of the most big, like, you know, hard issues to really tackle head on. Um, but they're all happening on Netflix right now. And oh, I, yeah. I am going to be very interested to see the first time, you know, a Marvel movie or a DC movie um, or one of the DCT, you know, one of the, the WB or Fox or, uh, you know, other network television shows covers one of, you know, gets into a little deeper because I think one of the things that Netflix has been has, has shown itself really is that it's willing to take a lot more risks, you know. Um, For sure. You know, and, I mean, just to take a look, like – a lot of people were pretty upset about Luke Cage um, in right. like some kind of hysterically <laughs> stupid ways. But, you know, there's been a lot of backlash from people saying, oh, my God, this show is too black. Um, my, my, my personal favorite is the comment that says, you know, I don't see any white characters in this. It makes me really uncomfortable. Um, to which I respond, like, that's the whole point. Wow. Like, I just, um, I, like when, when you'd mention, you're like, you know, there's this. Ba-, I'm like, I just I just don't even want to know. Like, Sorry. See, that, that, there was the spoilers I was warning you about. Right, right. Spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. No white characters, except there are white characters. People uh, are racist on the internet. Um, but yeah, so um, but yeah, yeah. So, so I think that kind of uh, gets it to a point. So, so what else about um, – well, l- let me actually ask you this about just going back to just the show itself. You said that there's a, a moment um, of, two, like, of two people kind of giving speeches. I think what you're talking about is uh, what was, yeah. for me as a former pastor, probably my favorite moment of the show, the preach-off. The, the scene mm-hmm. where two two people basically give dueling eulogies. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where two people decide to, decide to exploit the death of a <laughs> neighborhood legend in order to make the points that they're trying to go for. What, so what do you like about that scene? It was good. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, what I liked about it was This is the great analysis that, you tune into this podcast yeah, for. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they had characters delivering speeches in a way that it's like so okay first of all they were giving speeches at a place where you go to give speeches well and and i would actually even say i I would specifically say they were giving sermons um okay sure and and, or eulogies right i mean what what they weren't doing was standing on the top of a police car and talking to a crowd who had been fighting but suddenly was like oh let's listen to this guy standing on the top of a police car yeah or you know, it, it wasn't a monologue where someone's sitting in a chair and talking and everybody's like, OK, I'm going to just listen to this person, you know, and it it, it was like, OK, now they're going to give speeches because someone's like, does anybody want to give a speech? Right. <laughs> and and so so within the context that I didn't have that, um, it's hard to get a monologue into a movie and have it like really play well, you know, yeah. because it feels it feels uh, it feels fake because yeah, there are very contrived. few opportunities for people to give speeches in real life. Well, you and I find those opportunities pretty often. Um, We've created a podcast for giving speeches. Exactly. But but, but to me, I love that for a couple of reasons. One is for exactly what you're saying, um, you know, because I thought it it felt so much more authentic than the, you know, to give a counterexample, one of the reasons that I, I find Supergirl very frustrating is I feel like there are a number of times where characters give speeches instead of dialogue. And it, it yeah. drives me insane. Um, and I feel like that's – it's connected because it's not just bad storytelling, but it's you know it's a way of being very heavy-handed in the let's stop telling an entertaining story and now tell the message instead of yeah. having the message be woven into the story. 
Um, so I loved that, and, and I also loved, and I, I, I will say, I'm, you know, I'm a white person, obviously. I'm a, I'm a former pastor, but I have very little experience in the black church. I was part of a primarily black church for a couple of years, but that's not my experience for the most part. But I've had a number of my um, uh, friends who are, are pastors in the black church or members of black churches talk about how much they loved that scene because of like the what, what that was really naming of the significance of the black church and the black community right. and the significance of the of a, th- that kind of a like you want to make a point in the community you get up in a church you know like mm-hmm. that's every year we talk you know we hear our politicians don't go to white churches very often but like the trip to a black church especially in the south is often so important you know okay quick uh, aside how uh, are there so many events with trump speaking at black churches how was that a thing <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of horrible and horrific. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't understand. I mean, there was that one time he got cut off, which was kind of good. But kind like, of I'm just like, really? Like, I mean, I, I, think, I don't know. I think there have been far fewer than we think. It should they get much more media play? Um, but I mean, there's more than one. <laughs> that, you know, that's like even one was like really. Like, because know? no, no body is. You know, uh, we, we, you know, we can't make a generalized statement of anything, including even the black church. No, um, I know. I, but I, I do completely agree with you. But, but it, yeah, it, it, but, just, but my point was, I, I loved that scene because I thought it's so, you know, it was a way of, again, like using a dramatic element that would not work. Like Daredevil's role in his church is very important. But for right. Daredevil to get up and give a speech in a Catholic church would feel weird in a way yeah, that... Be- because it wouldn't fit that cultural context. Right, um, right. That's not the way the Catholic Church really functions, right? Right. I mean, he could, give, he could give a eulogy for sure, sure. or even like yeah. a guest sermon, but for yeah. it to be so significant and for it to have like two people sort of give dueling sermons. Right, you know? right, right. Um, yeah. So just, yeah, I, I had that same feeling watching that scene. It, it was like, I don't really know that this is true, but it felt like, like at the time, I was like, this feels very real, you know, yeah. like something that's clearly referencing um, part of the real world. And and I feel like most of the show felt that way. Like, you know, there were, there were references I didn't get, but I was like, I'm just going to trust that that's like a really clever reference that yeah. I just didn't get, you know? And it, it just, it felt very cohesive that way. And, you know, there were a few points when I felt like, okay, I, I felt like it was a little more deliberately, um, kind of like squeezing so much of that in. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, that doesn't, I feel like it was like maybe a little like Chuck, you know, like mm-hmm. the series, like Chuck, the, the where TV they, show Chuck, yeah. yeah, the TV show where they, they're like, there's a lot of references, you know? And I feel like if you don't get the references, which I didn't get all the references in Chuck, like this, it still works. You yeah. Know, you don't need to get the reference, but if you get it, it's kind of a little like, you know, you, you kind of get like, oh, yeah, you know. No, I, um, I, I thought that was something Luke Cage did brilliantly. I mean, even just that yeah. very first scene, you know, for me as someone who grew up as a diehard New York Knicks fan, that, that right. scene and him being like the one to like say, yeah, Charles Oakley. You know, I mean, that was just amazing. But you don't have to be a, a Knicks fan to love that scene. You know, you no, yeah, no exactly. idea of basketball. Um, we only have a few minutes left, so I want to just kind of um, pivot a little bit and ask one other thing. Um, and I, I think – you and I, I think one of the things we were kind of alluding to in the pre-spoiler section is that one of the things that we thought was a real problem with the show was when they kind of switch primary villains from Cottonmouth to um, Diamondback. Diamondback, yeah. Tellingly, I don't even kind of remember the character's name, but but I, I part I think I, you know I, I've said before on this podcast, you've agreed, and and we've 
uh, or someone agreed, and we've I've said in a couple blog posts. To, <laughs> someone agreed. Maybe uh, it was myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the version of you in my head. Um, the but the um, to me, a hero is so important. But what 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 in the end is always good, often going to make or break a really good movie or TV show is the villain. And I I to me caught like when I think of those that first half of Luke Cage, what made it so amazing. To me, Cottonmouth is probably up there with Fisk as my favorite villain from any of these shows. I mean, I just thought he was such a good betrayal, but portrayal. Portrayal. <laughs> uh, well, but especially to make a character who, again, in a lot of ways like Fisk, is so brutally violent, is so terrifying, and yet so incredibly sympathetic. Yeah, um, I liked him. Like, he, he, he did several things that I do not condone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, but he was like... You know, it, he was like Stringer Bell in yeah. a lot of ways, you know, where I was wire, just like, yeah, that. yeah, the, the Idris Elba character in The Wire, who, um, mm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I know no you Wire have... spoiler, yes. yeah, but, but, you know, it, it's, uh, hmm. <laughs> no, okay, it, it okay, just, I think we can give yeah. us, The Wire has been around, The Wire okay. is an amazing TV show, right, but we are going to issue a wire, wire for The Wire. Almost all the characters get killed. Yes, um, <laughs> including and, Stringer Bell. Yeah, and and when at the end of you know the, in the last episode he was in, I, I actually stopped watching the series for like a day, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to keep watching this series. Yeah, like, I remember talking to you about that. You know, yeah, yeah, I I, I I literally said that. I didn't think it to myself. I said it to Matthew. You know, and, and <laughs> I was I, like, I, I remember. Was like, Why am I going to keep watching the series without Stringer Bell? And it wasn't because there weren't tons of great other characters. There were. I mean, the the Wire has like an embarrassment of riches when it comes to other characters, and they stepped up. Season four, I think, is maybe my favorite season. Because it's just so heartbreaking. Yeah. But they did that by being like, okay, here's ten other great <laughs> characters. Deal with that. And it's like, oh, shit. And, and, you know? and, and I kinda, yeah, and I, I think in a lot of ways, to me, Stringer Bell reminds me of Cottonmouth and vice versa. Both of them are – if you were still using this lens of good guy, bad guy, you would look at them and say they are the bad guys. You know, they are both right. criminal overlords. You know, they both do terrible things. But they're both – much more. I mean, in the same way that I feel like Fisk is almost as much of a protagonist of the, of Daredevil as Daredevil himself. Like Cottonmouth to me is very much a protagonist, almost as much as Luke Cage. Like he's he he's Luke Cage's antagonist, but so much of the story is told from his perspective, including a lot of the flashbacks. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I, I think that was to me he he ranks up there for me with with Fisk and maybe Kilgrave as some of my favorite villains probably of anything, but certainly of the Marvel Universe. And, and, I, and I felt like that's where the, sh the show unfortunately fell down a little bit because when he died and Black Mariah stepped up, I sort of felt like, oh, if we're going to have the show now center around Black Mariah, this is going to be an amazing... Like, I'm so sad to yeah. see Cottonmouth die, but yeah. they, they could have that payoff like they had in The Wire. You know, and Black Mariah could have been such an interesting character. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, like, I mean, to highlight the identity stuff... Another amazing thing about the show is it is just, you know, there are so many powerful women of color characters, you know, yeah. black. And I say women of color because both of black and of Latina descent um, and Asian and Asian. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, although they really write off their Asian characters fast. <laughs> yeah. And with Luke uh, and there's there's the whole Iron Fist issue that we'll, we can get in. We, we've gotten into already. Um, sure. um, but um, but yeah. no, and, and so I was so excited to see Black Mariah really come into her own. And she did somewhat, but I felt like 
if I had to point to one weak part about the show, it's Diamondback. You know, he just yeah. was, it was not the payoff that you needed after killing off Cottonmouth. Right, and the setup of who this character was, we didn't see him for the first like seven episodes or until the end of the seventh episode. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was maybe it was the end of the eighth. Anyway, it, it, he was like. He's this like powerful figure in the shadows, but then when when there's the reveal, he just turns out to be another vengeance villain. Yeah, you know, and and those, I just they they, they just don't work for me. I feel like, especially in a TV show, you know, where it's like you're gonna have how many episodes of yeah, you know, of this character being the main villain, and it just it it really they they didn't do what the wire succeeded in doing, which was being like okay. We're going to kill off an amazing character and we're going to find a way to take it to another level by take, by bringing other amazing characters in. And instead, you know, they, they went with, um, you know, he's a bit more of a mustache twirler, you know, I mean, yeah. yeah, he's got a he has a motivation. And I feel like if they'd really explored that a little deeper, um, that might have uh, I- it might have worked better, but I, I will also say it's the first. I, I I've used. I don't think I've used this term on this podcast or this blog, but in in talking to you and others, I, I I've often said that I my biggest problem with the Marvel movies is how often they go for what I call the mirror villain. Um, yeah. And maybe other play, people use that term, and I just forgot. But so I don't want to claim it. But you know that idea of like Captain. You know, uh, Captain America has to fight. Red Skull, who's just like him, and the Hulk has to fight the abo- Hulk has to fight the Abomination, you know, and yeah. for the most and part, and Tony Stark has to fight someone else in a, in a makeshift suit. Iron Man suit, you yeah. know, and, and for the most part, the Netflix show, you know, like Iron um, Daredevil and Fisk are not, you know, corollaries. Jessica Jones no, and Kilgrave yeah, are very much not corollaries, and I was a little disappointed to see, you know, that happen here. Um, yeah, still a fantastic show, you know, highly recommend. But yeah, I think that's that's where the disappointments would lie. Um, and I, I have one other complaint that I'm just going to throw out there. Go ahead, and then I want to ask you what is actually yeah. be our last question, because then I okay. need to go see my, my superheroes in green, the Jets, take on the Steelers. Um, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, what, what was um, – oh, yeah. So Claire Temple, Rosario Dawson's character. Yep. I love the character. I love the actress. I hate medical drama, which is tricky because the character's a nurse, yeah. right? Um, is night nurse in, in the comics, and which actually a character uh, names her as, which I did kind of yeah, like. Yeah, I liked that. I was like, okay, you know, that, that's cool. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but you know, like they kept calling Luke Cage Power Man, but it wasn't yeah. like, oh, Power Man, can you <laughs> get this cat out of a tree? You know, it was like, uh, <laughs> it was like, oh, Power Man. You know? Jet, jet game, but, get to the point. <laughs> yeah. So what? <laughs> um, yeah, the Jets can wait. Uh, the yeah, it, they really like at one point Luke Cage gets shot by something that can actually hurt him. Yeah, and he, he's injured for like three episodes, and it just goes on so long. And the 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 sort of pseudoscience medical drama of it was just like that's not why I want to watch Luke Cage. I want to watch Luke Cage because he's bulletproof. Yeah, you know, I, I, I feel like it, it. It's one of those things where you know I. I, I <laughs> Uh, a writer of Battlestar Galactica who used to be on um, Star Trek commented that one of the things he hated about Star Trek was they had created this world where everything was technologically perfect. Right. And so the only way you could tell a story was to have one of the technologies break. Right, um, right. And I sort of feel like a little bit like that's what was happening yeah. here was they sort of said like, okay, we've set him up as being bulletproof. 
and it's like, yeah, instead of telling the story about that, they, they went into a little bit of a, a diatribe. All right, let's make him not bulletproof for a little while. Um, right. And, and that's where I think there's this idea in, in, you know, fiction where it's like, well, we have to introduce mortal danger. You know, yeah. the character must have a threat of dying. And the, the thing is, it's like, look, he doesn't. Yeah. OK, he's the title character. And he's already slated to be in a in the Defenders. Like we know he's not going to die. And, and to like, me, that's honestly because we've said you know, there's been a lot of commentary saying like the most important thing about the show is it's it's a bulletproof man in a hoodie. So let him yeah. stay bulletproof because there is Absolutely. other stories about what happens when the other people around him can die. You know, right? Exactly. Um, Even if he's bulletproof, his friends are not. You know, I, and that's really. I, I will also say on the medical stuff, like I, I I also thought the character of Misty Knight was incredible and was so oh, well yeah. done. The whole like spoilers in the comic, she has a bionic arm, and and I felt like there was a little bit of a head fake of having her seemingly come close to have the arm amputated, but then right. not. That's where yeah. we set that up. But but that does let me ask what, what is really going to be, no no doubt, our last question. The last question. The last question. Um, what do you think of the role of the police in this? Because obviously when telling a story about you know a bulletproof black man, like if, if you think that it's going to be about you know political issues today, your first thought is, well, obviously then the police are going to be the bad guys. And so to have Misty Knight, who is – you know, in a lot of ways, just as much of a hero of the show as he is, be a police officer, and there to be some really interesting, like, and, and a police officer who at times is overly violent to a witness in abusive way. I mean, like that—that that to me was such a fascinating choice and such an interesting way of saying we're going to tell a story about the police and police violence towards black people and police fears about black people without making the police all like demagogues, you know, but, but by humanizing them and and telling some really interesting stories from the police perspective as well. I'm sorry, that was a question? <laughs> yeah, no, I guess it was more of a polemic. But um, <laughs> what, what's your Well, I'm glad you've chosen such a simple subject for the final uh, question. Yeah, you've got three minutes. Go. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I, I actually thought that how they dealt with the police and how they dealt with language were really the two most brilliant parts of the show. Um, and we can get into language another time, but... The police, it, because here's the thing, like, being a cop is presumably very hard, yep. right? Being a cop in the real world, the way everything works, like, a lot of these situations, we see horrible things happen, and we see cops do the wrong thing a lot of times, and it's horrible, horrifying, heartbreaking, and I think there's a desire to just be like bad, you know, like they're the ones that are wrong. And a lot of times I think, yeah, you can say like, okay, well, you know, that, that cop, that individual cop did a horrible thing. And it's clearly like just, but like, they're still human. Even the people who do the worst things are human. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think what Luke Cage did a, just a, a brilliant job of doing was, Showing, like, it's complicated. Like, it's hard. And saying it's complicated isn't a cop-out to be like, well, it's complicated. You know, half of one, you know, a dozen of the uh, – wait. No, that would be more of the dozen. <laughs> but, you know, the six, half dozen. Like, it's <laughs> saying that there's nuance and that something's complicated isn't saying it's 50-50. Like, right. oh, we can't figure it out. It's like, no. No, you can look at something and be like, 
this is a complicated issue, right? The the situations that people are actually in are extremely difficult to handle and the entire notion of setting up and running a criminal justice system and policing and all these things it actually is really complicated and difficult we can still say okay now that we've acknowledged that this is a hard problem to solve we can then also say you know, there you're doing huge a shit job that, yeah, of trying to solve it, right? Like, that's not, that doesn't exonerate everybody who yeah, does no, the wrong thing. And, and I, I totally agree. I think that's what this show got so well. Because I think, yeah. and, and there are scenes where you clearly see, like, the police targeting Luke Cage that in ways that absolutely mirror our world. Mm-hmm. And then you also see a character like Misty Knight, who is absolutely our hero, yeah. do the thing that we keep saying we are so afraid of cops doing, and we, we so are angry at cops doing, you know, losing her temper and becoming mm-hmm. violent against uh you know a defenseless witness. Um, and then they have another uh, cop doing the same thing and they they set it up so that well so he's not a main character so it's a little easier for us to be angry at him and to to And that's against like, a kid instead of Right, adult. it's against a kid and, but at the same time like we still kind of get it. Okay. You know, it's like they give him a personal connection and, and there's that there's the dirty cop. Well, there's a lot of dirty cops, I guess. But there's, <laughs> you know, the one who's a main character, you know, the the one vegetarian in the show. And, uh, <laughs> you know, right before they write him off, like they give him this little like just like one sentence of humanity, basically. Yeah. That like lets us understand that character. It lets us understand that that character, you know, he hates himself, yeah. you know. But he also, like, he wants to live. You know, he doesn't want to bleed out on the floor. And so, that I mean, I think that's what a great show does. or That's what great fiction can do is it can take characters who are very clearly the villain, you know, or the antagonist, like, like Cottonmouth. And it can take other characters who um, also you can look at and be like, well, that's a villain too. Or that's a, a, an antagonist as well. But you can see them as humans, and that doesn't mean you're going to excuse their actions. Like, there's no point yeah. when I get the feeling that Luke Cage is like, eh, police violence is going to happen. What can you do? You know, right. that's not at all the message of the show. But the message of, not the message of the show, but one thing that I think it success, successfully conveys is like, hey, this isn't all that simple. Right. It's, like, it's not a question of fire all the cops and hire new ones. You know, right. it, it, and, and I think in some ways that's you – know, I, I used to say about religion as a religious person you know, that to me re- the role of religion is supposed to be to, to help people ask difficult questions mm-hmm. and it should never be to give them simple answers. And I kind of think the same thing here. You know, like what Luke Cage does is it says, look, we're going to force you to really look at the hard questions around race and violence yeah. and policing – and to acknowledge that the answers that we have now are are not good enough, but it's yeah. not giving us an easy answer, you know. And, right. and I like I, that. I like that it. Yeah. To me, when I when I finish watching Luke Cage, I don't want to go tell people here's the message. I want to talk to them. I want to ask them, and we're probably going to disagree. And I think that 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 in the end is what makes it so powerful. Yeah, and and I also I don't feel like it's a show that has a message and. Here's the message. Okay, thanks for watching. Bye bye. Right. You know, it's a show that has messages, but for the most part, it lets the characters deliver those messages, right? Instead of having some big 
you know, moral at the end of the story that like we're all supposed to infer. It's it's more it raises all these questions. It puts it it presents us with a lot of ideas, and then it kind of lets us go home and and think about those more and talk about them with each other, which which I think is just a, a great thing for. A, a show to be able to do absolutely so and as wrap up let me just say to everyone listening um tell us what you thought you know about the, the issues that because to me more than anything when i started this blog and then and asked paul to be a part of this podcast i did that not because i want to tell you all what i think although yeah i, I want to tell you all what i think um but because i want to have those conversations i love having these conversations with you paul and i would love for you guys the listeners you know Tweet at us at Superhero Ethics, and, and Paul will give his name, names in a moment. You know, send us tweets, comment on our Facebook page, comment on the podcast page, comment on iTunes. I would love to hear from other people. What did you love about Luke Cage? What did you not like? What What are the the questions it raised for you about policing and violence and superheroes? And because there's a whole other topic there that it, it it gets into the idea of you know what do the police do now that there's a superhero and and the you know the fear around that. Um, so yeah, for you the audience. Please comment. Please tell us what you think. Send us a review on iTunes. It really helps to get other people listening and part of the conversation. Uh, but for me, in the end, that's that's why I'm here doing this. So uh, I'm Matthew. Thank you guys all for listening. Paul, you want to give us your sign-off and tell us where we can find more of your thoughts? Yeah, this is Paul at Zen Madman on Twitter and ZenMadman.com on the interwebs. Cool. Thank you again, Paul. Thank you, everybody. Let's go New York Jets, and we'll talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. Go Steelers. Ah! <laughs>